Peace and blessings, everyone. I'm your host, Sean Crystal Parker, and welcome to episode 42 of Real Shift Happens. So this episode, we're talking about breakups, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and four steps on how to let go. So stay tuned because you don't want to miss a thing. I go within, walking in the fertile soil of my own being. There, my ancestors' fossilized footprints lead the path to my destiny, embedded in my soul. I can feel the pain and the toil, the sorrow. I bear the weight on my shoulders, but also the joy, the laughter, the song. I hear my community deep within my spirit, quietly guiding my footsteps along the path. I go within. Thank you so much for joining me. So this episode, we're talking about breakups, breakups with friends, partners, situationships, and all the in-between. Now, I know that I planned on doing a book review of The Biology of Belief, which we'll still do at a later date, but I just came across this topic because of honestly real life breakups that I've recently been through. So I decided it would be cathartic to talk about it here because I'm going through it. Plus so many other people have been going through it, especially since the pandemic started. And we're going to talk about attachment styles, um, 10 signs that it might be time to break up and four ways to deal with the breakup. So let's get into that right after our five minute focus shift right now. Returning to the source is serenity. We will now begin the meditation. Sit comfortably wherever you are and close your eyes. Take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth and release all of the tension from the day breathing in through your nose and breathing out the stress of the day at your own pace Breathe in through the nose, all the goodness that's coming to you. And breathe out all the tension and stress of the day and worries. Now, continue to breathe at your own pace, in through your nose and out through your mouth, 
releasing any tension. And now, quietly in your mind, repeat these words. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I am sorry. Please forgive me. you. I love you. Continue to repeat silently in your mind, breathing in and releasing through your mouth. Breathing out. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Breathing in through the nose and coming back to present and moment. out. Through the mouth. Eyes are open. You're feeling good. You're really, really, really starting to feel how much that five minutes, only five minutes even, every day can build upon itself. And you'll really start to notice it. I mean, just one day of taking that five minutes, you'll notice within that day. So imagine doing it every day and how that will just build upon itself and build upon itself so yeah feels good I know it does it does anyways now that we've done our meditation let's get into the topic at hand breakups breakups friendships relationships and situationships we're talking about all the ships and how sometimes the ships break. What can you do? Now, I have to say here, 
that I'm not a relationship expert by any means. <laughs> I think anyone who knows me will agree. But I wanted to bring up this topic because I recently had two pretty important ships come to an end in my life. And to be honest, last week was one of those was the week when it just all went down. Well, I don't know if it was Mercury in retrograde or what, but definitely um, kind of I'm an emotional person. So I can honestly say that I'm working on, you know, fighting through the emotions when I feel very emotional to continue doing what I have to do, like like the podcast. So, um, yeah, last week I, 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 I missed as you know, I, I'm, I keep continue to say I'm working on my consistency, which I am. And I know that I can be triggered and become emotional and not want to think about anything. So I literally zone out and start watching movies and series and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of these things that are not related to the podcast. <laughs> so anyway, I was um, still working on the biology of belief and um, put, it, put out this week and it just was not coming together. So I finally yesterday decided at some point yesterday decided like, oh, you know what? Maybe I just need to talk about what I've been going through, which kind of kept me from amongst other things um kept me from recording last week and so yeah that's how this topic came about and obviously it was supposed to be out yesterday or last night late last night but I was still working on it and trying to get the words together and the thoughts and what I wanted to say because Yes, I have been through two situations recently um, that I would call breakups, but I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't want to expose too much about the situations, you know, like it is personal business, child. So, you know, anyway, um, but at the same time, you know, I want to share my experience and also, you know, hopefully it helps all of us, all of us going through it, you know? And so, you know, it's just, it's never easy to break up, right? Never, ever, ever easy. It either, even if you have to break up with someone, it's not easy. And it's definitely not easy if someone is breaking up with you. Um, Whether it's, you know, something temporary you thought was going to be serious, whether it is serious or whether it's a marriage or friendship or even a situationship. Um, there's times when, you know, it's obvious that there, there's an incoming, it's painful, you know, it's coming. And then there's times that it's not so obvious and it just comes and you, and it hits you like a ton of bricks. Um, and then there, you know, there's those times where 
you know that you got to do it, but you still care about the person or you both still care about each other, but you're not, you, you start to realize you, it's just not working out. So it's never easy, right? But whatever the case, um, sometimes there are signs. There are signs in the relationship that let you know that it's kind of coming to an end. And at times we don't want to let go. Even after the relationship is over, we don't want to let go. Like we have a glimmer of hope that maybe it can come back or you know, uh, we dwell on the, on the old good times that we had with that person. And, and we just keep, try to keep hope alive, um, and tend to carry, carry all of the stuff from that relationship. So, and even when we go into a new relationship, because we are so attached to the last one, we carry it into the, to the next, right? So when we become attached kind of to that relationship or to that person or that feeling they give us that's kind of where the danger lies right because it's like that attachment um can be painful if there's a disattachment or even just something just being attached too much can cause pain in many ways right because it starts to become a part of your identity. So basically there are four attachment styles in relationships and these are formed with the mother or primary caregiver by the type of relationship established with the with the person as an infant. And this early relationship continues to impact our adult lives and it becomes more visible through our fears and insecurities and how we deal with them. So, um, you know, attachment styles is really a topic for a whole other episode. If you want more in-depth information on the research of this framework, it's um, it was created by John Bowlby and Mary Answorth. So definitely check them out to get more detailed about um, attachment style frameworks. But I'm definitely going to briefly go over it here. Um, their research has shown there are two dimensions on which the four attachment styles develop. And one dimension is attachment related anxiety. And people who are high on this dimension are more insecure and worried about their partner's availability and attentiveness. Um, the other dimension is attachment related avoidance. And those who are high on this dimension have difficulty opening up and being vulnerable with their partner. So these two dimensions give rise to the following four attachment styles. The first secure attachment. So people who have a secure attachment style score low on both anxiety and avoidance. They trust that their partner will be there for support when they need it and they offer the same in the return. They know how to express their wants and needs and are confident and optimistic about the stability of the relationship. Two, anxious preoccupied attachment. People with an anxious preoccupied attachment style 
are high on the anxiety dimension, but low on the avoidance dimension. They have trust issues and are more worried about the relationship. They need reassurance that their partner really wants to be with them and they may become jealous, pessimistic, and full of conflict. Number three, dismissive avoidant attachment. People with dismissive avoidant attachment style are high on the avoidance and low on the anxiety dimension. With this style, the person is usually aloof, um, emotionally distant, and they claim to maybe have a fear of commitment. Generally, they will always have to be doing individual activities like work or hobbies or social activities that don't involve their partner. And they're more self-absorbed and more passive aggressive usually. Number four is fearful avoidant attachment. People with fearful avoidant attachment styles are high on both avoidance and attachment. They both fear and desire an intimate relationship. They want the support and security of the relationship, but at the same time, they fear rejection and they worry about being hurt by their partner. So this can result in inconsistent behavior from day to day, which can lead to total chaos in the relationship. So those four attachment styles are really the basic styles for almost everyone. And um, this is not to say that a person is either or, I mean, a person can be either or, or they can be a mix of the latter three. So, um, you know, there's a spectrum with, with these and stable would be not on the, like, there's not the spectrum. I guess there is a spectrum for stable, but stable is stable. Okay. <laughs> the other ones definitely have spectrums, but many times, you know, there's an attraction too between people with sort of the opposite attachment styles. For example, like a person with an anxious preoccupied style might attract a person with an avoidance style. And in the beginning, it all seems great. Like, you know, like most relationships, but then as time goes on, once the true attachment styles come out, it leads to kind of a vicious cycle because one person's pulling away and the other person is trying to pull that person near and that, and it's like a push pull. It becomes like this push pull thing. And, um, you know, the anxious preoccupied person is triggered, triggered by the dismissive avoidant person and vice versa, really. So the anxious person wants more us time and the dismissive person wants more me time. And, you know, it just doesn't work. And it becomes kind of this anxious avoidant attachment relationship cycle where the avoidant person needs space. They get lonely in that space and then they wonder about you and they think they made this big mistake in taking the space. So they contact you again and you being the anxious type, you're really happy to hear from them and you kind of fall back into, um, you know, being with them again. And it's all, it seems all good for a while until the avoidant person starts to feel like things are too intense again and they need space again. And then the fights, the breakups and the makeups and just 
repeat the same cycle over and over because it's a constant like kind of push pull give take thing right and and it becomes a cycle um and I can definitely say that I have been on some part of the spectrum of both anxious and avoidant but mostly the anxious attachment side and with codependency issues too I can say and um so this is like really a major lesson for me and I and it's eye-opening because I I did never in the past took the time to really dissect my relationships and I can say I've been in this type of relationship probably my entire life as far as um, uh, anxious avoidant attachment relationship cycle and I'm this year's old before I even learned about attachment styles and started to realize my own attachment style so um, over the past year since COVID hit last year I've been seeing someone I well I had been seeing somebody and honestly I was learning so much about myself through it through it all and how I how I kind of operate romantically in a relationship and I mean just how I deal with romantic relationships because like I said I never really thought about it before in the past like I just would have relationships and feel like I was in love and that was it like, I don't know. So, um, you know, of course I have room for growth in this area. Um, and even in all of my relationships, I have room for growth and developing a more secure attachment style with my friendships, my family, um, and in romantic relationships across the board, um, probably work too. So, but I will say that I have grown a lot in recognizing some of my own unhealthy attachment styles and some of my own toxic traits and just being able to, you know, take accountability to apologize when I'm wrong. Yes, uh, I can still get mad. I don't feel like I go from zero to 100 as quickly anymore (laughs) but um in the past I just always felt like I was way too crazy to have a good relationship and I probably was because I didn't care uh, enough uh, to try to try at all really but now I I'm I think I've just become more self-aware um I actually care about people's feelings and I want to have a healthy, stable relationship across the board, like relationships. I want all my ships to be healthy and stable, right? And, you know, although this past situation ship did not work out, I'm very, very grateful for the time spent. I had a lot of fun and Um, you know, there comes a time when, you know, you have to let things go and I'm open to working on myself to attract someone who's equally yoked, who, you know, 
um, who I click with on multiple levels. And so, you know, I just, I'm cutting cords to any drama by becoming more aware of what I really want in a relationship, you know? So that was one, that was, that was the breakup of, that happened, that started at the beginning of COVID and is ending now. It just ended really last week. Um, I'm not going to get into details, but yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know if that was too much, but I'm not trying to out anybody. Okay. The other breakup I recently had was a, with someone I considered a friend for over 30 years. And this is a friendship, um, that I cannot say is any longer. Um, and it saddens me in a way, but also, um, because it was so many years, I had to really look back and wonder if I've just been in a long-term attachment to someone due to the history of just knowing the person. And I had to wonder if the relationship should have ended years ago, but I just held on for fear of losing, losing the relationship and losing the person when maybe the relationship was not serving me a long time ago. And yes, we were great friends at one point, but at some point we started to grow apart. And at that point, does it serve any, anybody in the relationship to try to force this, this friendship when you have grown apart? I don't know. I don't think it does. So once that happens, the relationship kind of, is over, but sometimes the attachment is still there. And, um, until now, so now, because I'm really learning that I have to let go, I'm learning how to unattach myself. And that's, that's a big lesson for me. And, um, you know, it's sometimes it's difficult to face the fact that a relation, a relationship is over. And we simply like ignore the signs and we, we don't even know sometimes what the signs are because, uh, you know, our need to keep this person in our life just keeps us blinded from the truth. You just don't even want to look at the signs. You don't want to see anything wrong. Or if you do, you just brush it off. So, and I'm not saying it's always one person's fault and the other person is innocent, but sometimes there are characteristics and red flags that come out in a person that either we need to work on or in yourself that you need to work on or in the other person or even in both people that both of y'all need to work on. Okay. So, you know, it does take two to tango. And, you know, a lot of times when you see something in someone else, it may be in you too, low key though. But, Maybe it was a past part of you, you know, who knows? Maybe that's exactly, they're mirroring exactly the way you act. So it's never one-sided. And if two people can't communicate um, these things in a healthy way, you know, as far as like working the things out, then it's just time to let go and move on. And, you know, that's just it. So there's... 
I, I was doing the research for this episode and just to, you know, add more value. And there, I wanted to go over 10 major red flags kind of that you should be concerned about in your relationship. If you see this with a loved one or a friend or even a family member, um, and these are things to consider if it may be time to start to let go, you know, let go of that thing or that person, the relationship, whatever it is. Okay. Um, whether it's romantic or not, uh, it could be an unhealthy job even, but anyway, number one, you're in a yo-yo relationship you argue and fight, you break up and make up, and it becomes a vicious cycle that never ends. So, um, you know, you, you, you just can't seem to have happy, good times. So that's definitely a sign. There's number two, there's a growing gap. There's an emotional gap that keeps growing between you and it pushes you further away. And one person may try to reconnect and it may even lead to, to arguments or more distance. And you just, you're just growing apart and you don't see the point anymore. Number three, your needs aren't being met. You try to mention your needs not being met to your partner. You express your language of love, but your partner ignores your needs and does not care or or care to, you know, recognize what your love language is. And meanwhile, they hijack the relationship and make it all about them. So this can also be part of dealing with a narcissist. So that's also another whole nother topic for a whole other episode. But yeah, um, if your needs aren't being met, that's definitely something you have to address. Like you cannot go quietly. I'm not saying that like, Oh, you know, like, I don't know. There's, there's definitely, um, boundaries to that, I would say. But for the most part, we know what our needs are. We know what our love language is. And if you don't know what your love language is, go look it up so that you can be able to express to someone else what your love language is. And, um, then the the person can meet you halfway, you know? Uh, number four, they lose interest. Your partner is basically doing their own thing without you. And they don't seem to spend time with you. They don't really communicate. Or maybe they just only text and don't really, you know, give you quality time or much attention in person. So um, it seems like they're losing interest. And that's a that's a red flag. Number five, your trust is betrayed. It can be really hard to come back from a betrayal of trust, right? Like if they cheated on you, if they lied and they're just being dishonest, um, it's just, it, it's just a huge red flag. You, you can't work out with somebody who you can't trust. And if they're not trying to like, um, make you feel secure so that you can trust them, then that's also a problem. Like if they, they got to They got to care and want to trust you and make it so that you can trust them. Like they're not all sus, you know, uh, number six, you're always fighting disagreements and arguments are definitely normal in relationships. 
right? But if it becomes excessive and the good times are hardly there anymore and it's just a lot of fighting, then you probably need to reassess the relationship. If you can't calmly speak to each other and work things out, then it might be time to go. Number seven, defensive blaming. Uh, They start to project their bad characteristics onto you. Say they're always angry and then you get into a fight and they say you are the one who's always angry. Or if they cheat, then they might accuse you of being the one cheating and so on. They start to blame you for the way that they really are. And that also can be a part of a narcissistic um, personality. So something to look out for. Number eight, they avoid eye contact and don't listen to you anymore. This is kind of a telltale sign. Like when your partner can't even look you in the eyes for more than a brief moment or at all, what's then something's going on. Um, you know, when you talk to them, they, they don't look you in the eyes. They're always doing something else, like looking at their phone while you're talking, or they act like they kind of just aren't interested in what you have to say anymore. And normally it's like they're, they're somewhere else in their minds and pretty much they've already checked out of the relationship. So beware. Number nine, a sinking ship. Your partner brings out the worst in you. So even when you try to do something better for yourself, your partner rejects it or tries to kind of conveniently sway you away from doing what you want to do or have to do for yourself. Um, And their attitude is negative and they just don't want to really see you happy because they're kind of not happy. So they they want to bring you down with them, basically. Number 10, living on the edge. You're constantly thinking about breaking up with them. And there are issues about the relationship that concern you. And when you address them to your partner, they're rejected or you have an argument, an argument starts. So your feelings are kind of never really validated. And yeah, that's a big one. So Of course, this is kind of a general list of only 10 signs, and there are so many more, of course. One way of thinking about a relationship with someone is that it will have its ups and downs, like a hill. But when it becomes ups and downs like valleys and low valleys and mountain peaks, when it's, you know, deep lows and high highs, then there's, there may be a need to evaluate the situation in the relationship and maybe address it if possible. And if you, you know, if you can't communicate that and the behavior is still off, then it just might be time to move on to leave. Okay. Um, you know, so also in researching this topic for myself and for the episode, I came across a really good video by Aaron Doughty talking about the four steps that help him let go of attachments. And I think it's a great way to look at things after a breakup because usually that's what happens during a relationship. We become attached and that um, breakup, if a breakup happens, it's just harder to move on and let go because of that attachment. 
but also in general in life. We just, we become literally attached to everything and anything, people, places, things. It's almost like human nature. Um, But Aaron in his video mentions a quote by Buddha stating, in the end, only three things matter. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. And that's a powerful, powerful quote. And he breaks down the third part of the quote. How gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. So when the time comes to let go of something, what kind of meaning do you give it? You know, are you attached to the outcome? For example, like when you have a breakup, do you think, um, you know, you you were supposed to get married and you just wasted a whole year of your life on someone? Or do you think, you know, that you had a good time, you learned a lot about yourself and you learned a lot from the situation? You know, what kind of meaning do you put on all the things around you? Are you identifying with with all the things and the people? Like, do you feel like your job is who you are? Or is your relationship or your marriage who you are? If so, you know, what if you lose some of these things? Then who are you? So when you identify to all of the things around us, when we, you know, just kind of take on this identity of these things, we, we don't, we lose who we are, who we really are, you know, the essence of who we really are, because these are just attachments, right? They're just things that are outside of us. They're not, they're not who we really are inside, you know? So understanding how we attach to things and then releasing those attachments can make our lives like so much easier. And this is something that I'm really, really, really learning like for real, for real. I mean, I feel like I've had a big lessons on that from losing shit like early on, but, um, I, I, I didn't really, I haven't learned that lesson when it comes to relationships, because I know for a fact that I've stayed attached to relationships way past them being over way way past and um just not letting go from it could be romantic relationships or even the death of my you know mom and grandparents who were the most dearest people to me uh just holding on to that grief for years years and years holding on to the attachment of them you know as people and the the memories of them, of course, I'm going to remember them, but I'm talking about holding on to them, like just, you know, in grief. And that is where that attachment forms, you know? So in, in the video, Aaron talks about four steps to letting go. And number one is the awareness of the attachment. So being aware that you're attached to this person, this relationship, the job, whatever it is, and noticing how much you identify with it. That's just the first step. The first step in um, kind of letting go of this attachment. When you become aware of the attachment and the identifications, 
you can start to kind of make different choices. You can start to see yourself um, beyond the, that attachment. Um, number two, what is the payoff? What is the payoff you're getting from being attached to this person, place, or thing? Um, recognize what that payoff is and then start to rethink the value of it. The payoff may be that you feel safer when you're in, in a relationship, right? But is it worth, is that payoff worth your mental health in the long run? Is, you know, when you evaluate the relationship, is it beneficial to your mental health or not? Like, you know, situations like that. You want to kind of, um, kind of think of the value of the payoff and is it really worth it? Um, number three, reframe the situation. So let's say you lost your job and your boyfriend, right? All in the same week. And you can definitely think of that as the end of your world, which it kind of is <laughs> part of your world ended, right? Or you can think of it as a new beginning to your world, a new chapter in your life. You know, it's all in how you frame the situation. And that's not to say ignore the bad shit and be like, oh, that didn't happen. No, yeah, it happened, but also don't dwell in it. Genuinely feel the emotions, you know, nurse the pain, but afterwards recognize that you don't have to hold on to that pain forever. You you can reframe the situation you can find a silver lining in almost anything, really, and uh, move on. Number four, choose to let go. Okay, letting go is a choice that you can actually choose to make. And sometimes we need to hear someone else give us permission to choose to let go. And that's okay, because it can be difficult and it's, it's difficult to let go, but it's also really difficult to decide to let go. And that's what Aaron emphasized the most in his videos. Probably the most difficult part, right? Is like really making that decision to be like, you know what? I can't. I, I'm done. I'm not going to go back. I'm letting go of the attachment. I It served its purpose for me. I learned the lesson and um, now I can move forward and I can make that choice. I can make the choice to move forward. I can make the choice to let go and focus on me. I can find a hobby, um, some type of interest, find other activities, meet new people and just choose to move on with your life. That's it, period, right? So that's it. In the end, yeah, breakups are really hard. They really are. I'm not saying they're not, but it does become a fact of life. It's a common part of our lives that we have to deal with. And um, there's a poem out there that I love that really, really eloquently uh, puts how breakups kind of, it's not even really about breakups. It's just about the people who come in your life, right? And the poem is Reason, Season, or Lifetime. And it goes like this. People come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. 
When you know which one it is, you will know what to do for that person. When someone is in your life for a reason, it is usually to meet a need you have expressed. They have come to assist you through a difficulty, to provide you with guidance and support, to aid you physically, emotionally, or spiritually. They may seem like a godsend, and they are. They are there for the reason you need them to be. Then, without any wrongdoing on your part or at an inconvenient time, this person will say or do something to bring the relationship to an end. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they walk away. Sometimes they act up and force you to take a stand. What we must realize is that our need has been met, our desire fulfilled. Their wake is done. The prayer you sent up has been answered and now it is time to move on. Some people come into your life for a season because your turn has come to share, grow, or learn. They bring you an experience of peace or make you laugh. They may teach you something you have never done. They usually give you an unbelievable amount of joy. Believe it, it is real for only a season. Lifetime. Relationships teach you lifetime lessons, things you must build upon in order to have a solid emotional foundation. Your job is to accept the lesson, love the person, and put what you have learned to use in all other relationships and areas of your life. It is said that love is blind, but friendship is clairvoyant. Human connections are essential to health and well-being. Thank everyone whose presence in your life has made a difference. Yeah, I love it. Love it. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. So until next time, what do we do? We must do the inner work, create a shift in our own consciousness, which will create a shift in the collective consciousness. That's the goal. So guys, don't forget, you can subscribe to Real Shift Happens Wellness Podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Um, You can drop us a line and also support the podcast on anchor.fm slash Real Shift Happens. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Love your thoughts on any breakups. What have you experienced? Are you dealing with it um, in a good way? I hope so in a healthy way. Um, and also, you know, definitely we're still going to do our book club. We're still going to talk about the biology of belief at the end of this month, most likely I'm hoping. (laughs) Yes. We're going to say yes, the end of this month. And, um, if you need, if you want to download that book, you can go to our audible trial at audibletrial.com slash real shift happens and you'll get 30 days for free and a free audiobook download you can be a part of the book club discussion or just download any book you want it makes it so convenient you can listen to books at any time like when you're cooking or working out or driving in a commute um, whenever it makes it super super convenient and I love uh, taking in my information listening to books on audio that way So anyway, um, until next time, Real Shifters, go within and make Real Shift happen.